This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Dusidi Sarangarm, CMIO of University of New Mexico. Dr. Sarangarm, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. Now, I know we'll have a lot to talk about today in terms of technology and healthcare and where things are headed, but before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, So I was actually born in Thailand, and um, I moved to New Mexico when I was fairly young and grew up in a small border town in southern New Mexico. Um, I then did medical school here in Albuquerque and then stayed on for residency here in Albuquerque and and then joined the faculty at the University of New Mexico right after finishing faculty, um, after finishing residency. So I've, uh, I'm basically homegrown from New Mexico at this point. It's beautiful here, hard to leave. Um, my background is in, in emergency medicine, um, but I'm also double boarded in clinical informatics as well. Got it. That's fascinating. So how did you realize that you had an interest in informatics and then wanted to pursue that as part of your professional career? Um, you know, it sort of just fell in my lap a little bit. I, uh, as a resident, I had done a few projects um, that involved the EMR and uh, some technologies. And so when I became faculty, uh, we were transitioning from paper charting to electronic charting, and they asked me to help with the implementation of that. And one thing led to another. And so I became the associate chief. And then um, Right at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, I took the chief role. And so it, it sort of just all fell in line. And along the way, I got double boarded. Fantastic. That's great to hear. And now I can imagine that your experience in emergency medicine as well has been so critical over the past year, especially with COVID-19. What has that been like for you to, um, you know, be working clinically with the patients, but then also have a team you're overseeing and trying to figure everything out on the technology side? Oh, gosh, I would say it's been a delicate balance. Um, and in a little bit, it requires a little bit of compartmentalization because it takes a certain skill set to do the clinical informatics work and an overlapping but not exactly the same skill set to run resuscitations in the emergency department um, and see patients. And so it's just, it's required some, just a lot more resilience than one would think um, to be able to do both and keep all the balls in the air and keep all projects going and patients getting seen safely and all of that. So it's been a good learning experience, I would say. Well, that's great to hear. And obviously, you know, fantastic that you've been able to to do that over the past year and, and really appreciate, I'm sure, your patients as well as your teams being able to juggle both things. Now, when you look into the future and, and think about healthcare, what are some of the big trends that you're following today? That's a really good question, Laura. Um, you know, I think there is probably not a single doctor in the U.S. that's not following all things COVID right now. So, um, so absolutely every day, I think I read at least one or two articles about COVID and where we're going and what we expect the modeling to look like here in the next few months and, um, you know, vaccines and boosters and, and all of that. So, so definitely 
following that because that has had such a big impact on um, healthcare delivery and and just future planning, um, especially when we're looking at it from an informatics perspective. Um, we had all sorts of projects in line and things that we wanted to do, and a lot of it was put on hold because of the pandemic. And so um, I think we're all anxiously awaiting uh, the end of all of this so that way we can get back to to our original plans and, and our lives, really. So that's certainly one thing. Um, the other things that I follow, you know, just because of the, the informatics work that I do is um, all the cybersecurity attacks that have been happening. Um, it's, it's bad enough to have one disaster to deal with uh, in the pandemic, but it's extra challenging to add a secondary disaster on top of that in the form of a cybersecurity attack and ransomware and, you know, just it, it makes it extra challenging. It's already hard to deliver care um, with our, our healthcare system being as taxed as it is right now because of the pandemic, but then you add the challenges of not being able to do all the things you would normally do in the electronic medical record because the network shut down. I mean, that makes it extremely challenging. Um, so, and it seems like it's just the norm now that, you know, a hospital or health system is getting um, at least some sort of attack. Um, and you see that almost weekly. So, so definitely following that. Um, and I would say that maybe the last thing is, uh, is virtual care. So, uh, and, and not just virtual care, but also um, a virtual workforce, right? The, the normal paradigm um, in healthcare has been that everyone who works in the health system has to work in the health system, like physically. Uh, but that's not the case anymore. And, um, and healthcare has been, I would say, traditionally slower to adapt um, than the technology industry, for instance. Um, these sort of different work models. And so, um, so I'm curious to see what that will mean because it, can, it, it may mean that we may be able to offer more services to patients. It could also mean that we're able to recruit, especially in IT, um, a different skill set that of, of people who don't necessarily live here in New Mexico. I mean, we're a rural state, um, and so so being able to recruit outside of the state would be amazing. So that's those are sort of some of the things that I'm kind of following along with. Absolutely, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And you know, when you look at the um, virtual care, and especially as you mentioned, potentially recruiting from outside the state and, and remote workers, how do you anticipate that will change your approach to building teams and in your role in the next twelve to twenty-four months or so? Um, well, I think at this point we're fairly good at it, at least um, in IT uh, with building and onboarding and um, just working in general remotely. Our, our IT teams here at uh, UNM Health are almost all entirely virtual. Uh, some do come in and have like a hybrid schedule and, and work part-time in the office and part-time at home, but um, we, we Zoom all the time and it's, there's, 
certainly new social norms, I would say, that have developed as a result of uh, having a remote workforce, but I think we're, we're getting, we're pretty good at it. Um, the, the thing that I'm most worried about, honestly, in the next 12 and 24 months is we, um, I would say in, back in July, we were transitioning from uh, disaster response mode to a uh, disaster recovery mode, right? And and now I think we're back in a disaster <laughs> response mode. Um, and so I'm, I'm really hopeful that in the next 12 to 24 months, we'll actually get to go into recovery mode. And, um, and as a leader, I think what I'm most concerned about is that um, in healthcare, especially people are tired. Right. They're really there. There's change fatigue. Um, there's just it's been nonstop for a year and a half, uh, two years. And so um, how do we maintain the wellness of our workforce, especially if you're thinking about it um, from the perspective of it being remote and at the same time, we continue to uh, produce and do the work that needs to be done um, as part of recovery. Because, uh, you know, I think people don't think of it this way, but disaster response is is difficult, it's definitely difficult. But disaster recovery, I think, is even harder. And so how are we going to do that in the next 12 to 24 months, I think, is a real challenge for um, for every leader. Absolutely. I, I think that's a really great point in terms of making sure that as we are able to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic, what that really looks like, being mindful of everything that um, staff and, and clinicians and everybody has gone through, um, I, I can imagine that just a, becomes a huge um, area of concern. I'm wondering, from your perspective and looking at some of the projects that you had on your plate that you were hoping to get back to, and then I'm sure um, the way that the current state is requiring you evolve some of those projects what's really exciting to you right now that you can see in the future and, and are looking forward to getting back to oh i'm trying to that's a loaded question <laughs> Laura, <laughs> let me think um so in terms of what we're working on right now uh some of it is honestly not exciting in the sense that it's just enhancements and, and maintenance of things we already have, you know, putting off your car maintenance for a long time just means the car will break. And so um, as part of disaster response, we put some things on hold and we really need to, to go back to those things um, to maintain the integrity of our systems. So while that's not exciting or sexy, it is absolutely necessary um, to wheels on the bus, so to speak. So, um, so I am excited to do those things <laughs> because I think it's part of my duty uh, to the organization to make sure that we can keep, you know, things moving. Um, in terms of, you know, looking into the future and and what what I'm I'm excited that we're doing, um, we are implementing like a real telehealth platform, a video. Um, patient interface platform that that I think will be really great, uh, especially for a state like New Mexico, where we have so uh, much of our population in the rural areas. So I'm hoping that this will allow us to care for more people um, with less 
disruption in their lives because they won't have to drive six hours to come to Albuquerque uh, to to get care. So so that I think is really exciting. Um, I saw a demo recently. I can't remember who gave it, but uh, where there was some technology that you know would allow natural language processing um, to happen in real time while you're sitting there talking to the patient. There would be you know, some computer in the background uh, listening to what you're saying and then generating um, a document. So it, that would save provider time and um, and perhaps even allow for more accurate documentation. I think that is really exciting. Um, if you talk to providers, uh, doctors, you know, um, and and nurse practitioners and such, we spend so much of our time just doing documentation and not doing what we really love to do, which is to care for patients. And so the more the more technology can support um, just caring for patients and not doing the required documentation, I think the better. Well, Dr. Saren Karm, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.